Good morning. I'm Peggy. I'm reading from Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. All right, thank you, Peggy. So go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you weren't here last week, we uh, transitioned out of about a three months in Ephesians 1, and now we're in Ephesians 2. So if you have your Bible or an app or however it is that you access the Word of God, please go ahead and turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you a Bible. In español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y um, uh, esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 2, versículo 4 a 7. And again, uh, what I said there is if, if you don't own a Bible and, and, uh, and you want one, please keep this. Okay, This is our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word to, to read and to be grounded in and to, for it to find um, and to sink deeply into our hearts. Because as we saw and even talked about last week is C.S. Lewis, um, a f- famous author, he said, uh, the word of God is like a caged lion. You don't need to protect the lion. You simply need to um, set the lion loose, like undo the cage, and the lion will protect itself. Right? And so that's our view. That's why we stand when we read God's word. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's the way we come at this thing, is we trust that, that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it, as it said, that the grass withers, Okay, think about that for a moment, right? I know we don't see a lot of grass in Tucson, but uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And, and, and that, that, that confidence is what we have even as we come at this, this morning um, in, this, in this good news. And if you were here last week, we, uh, it was, it was, we kind of spent some time really sinking into the bad news, if you will, all right? The, 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 the difficult news of what it means to come before a holy and righteous God. And so as we now transition into verse four this morning, I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us again and ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and would ground us and shape us this morning as well as throughout this holy week. So let's pray together. Again, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We trust that this is your word. Um, Lord, we don't need to pretend. Uh, We don't need to protect it. We don't need to get cute with it. Lord, we simply need your spirit to humble us and to lead us, to open our eyes, to open our ears, Lord, to soften our hearts, to respond to the good news that you reveal to us through your scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So as we saw last week, the, the, the big idea that we need to understand, in case you weren't here last week, that we need to understand as we come into this, that as we said last week, amazing grace, right? The song is not amazing unless we understand where we were last week. And the big idea from last week that you can see, if you don't be- be- believe me, you can look up in verses uh, one through three of chapter two is this. It is, you and I are dead in sin, Okay, apart from God's intervention, by nature, just simply by being born, okay, everyone in this room was born, I'm confident of that, okay, simply by being born, by nature, and by choice, and we know that whether you have kids or you've observed or whatever, by choice, um, we, we choose sin, and that, and that when you're dead in sin, when you're stuck in sin, you don't rightly diagnose yourself, right? As we saw last week, we need God to diagnose us, and God's diagnosis is without his intervention, we're dead. We're stuck in our sin, and we don't, we can't choose life. Dead people choose death, and that's the reality of where we are. So as we now get into this, again, big idea, you and I, apart from God stepping in, are dead in sin, but God, verse four, chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, verse four, underline it, circle it, but God. Okay, say it, say it with me, but God. That, that's, such, that's the most important words in all of scripture is we are dead in sin, say dead in sin with me, but God. That's good news. Okay, that, that, that means, again, we understand that if God were to sit there, were to leave us simply on our own, we're dead and we stay dead. We're hopeless. Easter, what we're doing here, coming to church is, is, is futile. As the author Paul says in the letter to the Corinthians, he talks about we should be pitied. We basically eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. This whole playing church stuff, doing all this, taking communion, all this stuff is just silly. It makes no sense. It's hopeless if not for those two precious words, but God. God steps in. And the, the, the main character in all this is God, okay? We understand here and we see that, again, the big idea is hammering home that we are dead in sin. Again, I don't think I need to hammer that home anymore, though maybe we do, some of us, okay? We're dead in sin. I, I don't know what else to do. Maybe jump up and down, but that would just look silly, a short little guy jumping up and down and throwing a tantrum. But I, I need us to understand dead in sin, but God. And then we get to see as we read on, the main character here is God is we get to see God stepping in and that we see that who, who God is, he's rich in mercy, verse four. And then further on, because of his great love with which he loved us. And, it, and then it goes on even toward the end there that he, he, is, he is full of immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us. He's kind, he's rich in mercy, he's full of grace. Okay, that word grace means undeserved favor undeserved again just to connect it back because in case we've heard that song we sing that song and we don't really think it undeserved favor is amazing it means you and I don't deserve favor we don't deserve pardon we don't deserve acceptance we don't deserve love we don't deserve forgiveness we don't deserve God himself Jesus dying 
on the cross. We don't deserve the, the effect of him raising from the dead and what it means to participate with. We don't deserve that. But God, rich in mercy, full of grace and loving kindness, lavishes upon us. He steps in. He intervenes. But God steps in and saves all those who would be called his own, all those who would trust in Jesus. The main character is God and who he is and what he has done. And again, as I read at the second part of verse four, because of the great love with which he loved us. All right, I want us to sink into this for a moment because perhaps some of us in our weirdness, last week was some of us were like, oh yeah, cool, I get that. Okay, I think we have some extremes and some of us are even maybe a little bit like who jump from one to the other, but some of us are like, oh, I'm a sinner. Some of us have no problem with the confession part of our liturgical process of, right? It was, we did the confession of sin and we sit there and we come with heads hung low and in a tradition like ours, a reformed tradition, right, where we have rightly, I think there's been a correction of a right view of God and a proper view of ourselves, right, where we understand dead in sin, if not for God, and God is righteous and God is holy, and we kind of stay there. And it's, for some of us, it's really easy to just say, yeah, I'm a sinner, I'm lowly, I'm in this, and we, and then though, we, we, it's, it, we don't go, we don't follow the path that Jesus would lead us on to see the good news of Easter Sunday, right? For some of us, we struggle to acknowledge that God loves us, right? Verse four, but God being rich in mercy, not just a little bit, not like, all right, get out of my face, I'll throw a little mercy at you, now move along, right? Some of us think of it that way. We think that's how God relates with us. He's kind of like, yeah, 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 go on, you're kind of annoying me, here's a little bit of mercy, go on your way. But, but that's not the language here. He is rich in mercy. Why? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Hear me, look at me. As much as I jump up and down and, and, and scream and yell and make sure we get dead in sin, just as important or perhaps more so, you need to understand that God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we're yet sinners, dead in sin, Christ died for you. Let me hear, because some have even asked me this, oh, how do we handle this? Hear me right now. God loves you. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. All right, and some of you might be like, that's weird, that's awkward right now. Why are we doing that? Why do we, enter, why do we pretend there's someone sitting next to us, <laughs> right? Again, that's one of the downfalls. I don't mean to kind of make fun of our own, if you will, but evangelical Christianity, right, we tend to, we tend to do even, even worship, and, and we, we think it's like us all in little individual compartments, and there's like little beams of light going between God and us, and that's it. But, but for thousands of years, the church understood that when you're singing words to God, you're also declaring horizontally, as though like to our neighbor, these things are true. So when we're singing words about God, right? Um, oh, great is our God and all these things. It's a reminder to each other. You are loved. It's a reminder to each other. There is bad news and there is good news. 
In, 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 this, in this message is meant to empower us and equip us and move us closer to God, reconcile to him through faith in Jesus and also toward one another. I didn't even plan on this, but as Jesus hangs on the cross, some of his last words, he looks down and in, in his ministry of reconciliation on a horizontal level is even on display. When he talks to John, who kind of calls himself the, the disciple whom Jesus loved or the one whom Jesus loved. But he looks down at John and his own mother, Mary, and he kind of brings a ministry of reconciliation. He says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And you see this reconciling effect of not only, you know, okay, now you're reconciled to God. And I say only, right, because don't hear me. Sometimes we go way past that and we miss that. Absolute importance, dead in sin, but God reconciled to himself and reconciled to one another. And so we need to remind each other sometimes that we're dead in sin, right? If we get a little too big for our britches, if we take the gospel for granted, if we start to think that grace means a, just a get out of hell free card and so just, you know, proceed as you will and do whatever you want and, you know, who cares, right? God's gonna give you grace and no, we need to call each other out and remind each other that's not the good news of Jesus. He saved you from sin but also for some of us who tend to walk with heads hung low, right? Another expression as we've talked about of navel gazing, right? Staring at ourselves, heads hung low, woe is me, lowly one, we need to remind each other, no, no, no. Have you not read Ephesians 2, verse 4? God has stepped in. He, he loves you. He's rich in mercy. He has great love towards you. Okay, we are dead in sin, but God. Now picking up in, uh, in, verse, in verse 5, he has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ. Read with me in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Again, alive together. Again, there's a communal element. Ephesians is not just, and this was never the case, though we tend to treat it this way. Read your Bible in a quiet coffee shop in a corner with headphones in and, and head down low, and this is what the Bible's all about. Just me and me and God. That's it. That's good. That's true. But again, there's, there's a communal element, and I, and I need to jump on the other side of the teeter-totter, if you will, because we've gone so individual that you see this, this element of togetherness, right? And it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, communally, and now we are found in Christ. And what does that mean? Verse 6, he raised us up with him. Okay, we're dead in sin, but God intervenes and steps in and now raised us up with Christ. Okay, there are two things going on here that we need to understand. One is a future reality, a future hope that has come crashing in and defines right now. Okay, so I'll go with, the, with that one first. There is an element here of a future hope of a physical, bodily resurrection from the dead and an eternity, a glorious eternity spent as one, as a people of God, 
living and flourishing and thriving in the new kingdom that he will one day usher in once and for all perfectly where there will be no tears, where there will be no more mourning, no more crying, where there will be a physical body that you now have that is. And I don't understand all the implications of this. I'm the first one to admit that. I don't know what that means. I don't think, though I was a kid, I kind of thought, I don't think it means all, all of a sudden be six foot five and, you know, like the body I always wanted will but 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 we do know that God will that God will there will be no more aches and pains I was talking with a friend this morning we were trading war stories about how many concussions we've each had and you know our aching backs and all these things and the my my rapidly graying beard and you know these kinds of things like that will that will be done away with we will have new bodies we will live and flourish in a new kingdom forever all right Pinch yourself, okay? Like, pinch your neighbor if you have to. Like, okay, um, it's real. We, we tend to think of this ethereal cloud up there one day, right? Little chubby babies with wings and wearing diapers and floating around, or we're all in this great, worst, like, choir concert for eternity, which sounds really boring to me, I'm not gonna lie. And that's not the picture we get in, in Scripture. It is a, a, an, an eternal worship service, but that includes work and play and, 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 and life, real life, real, physical, resurrected life. And that's meant to crash into our world right now today, right? As we've heard is, is again, Paul says in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, he says that there is light momentary affliction. And he says, though this outer body is wasting away, the, the inner man is being renewed day by day. And so it's while we are decaying, and right, like, Come on, amen. Like while we're getting older and we're seeing the effects of sin all around us and within us and we look forward to that future day, our, 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 our inner self is being renewed day by day. And, and hear me on this. What it means is you and I are growing in living out the resurrection that shapes us now, today. Okay, when, when we have a baptism, service here and, and someone hears before they are baptized now in Christ you are dead to sin and raised again to new life through Christ all right in the same way as Jesus died on the cross and then on the third day rose from the dead we now through faith in him or in to use Ephesians language being found in Christ means we participate in his death and in his resurrection Okay, it means that we're no longer enslaved to the sin that, that seems to, to envelop us, that, that, that we seem like we're trapped like a dead person in a coffin and just hitting, hit, you know, kind of hitting the, hitting the top of the casket and yet the good news of Jesus is that has been blown, blown up and now we are raised again and we're now set free and the chains have, have been gone and so we get to now live in light of the resurrected identity we have in Christ. And... Directly connected to it, we have been seated with Christ, right? Verse six, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? As we talked about earlier, um, you don't sit down unless you've already won, 
unless the work has been finished, right? We talked about last week, if you remember, and I'm, afra- I'm not afraid to say it, right? We called out the demonic and we said that Satan ha- has been already defeated and Christ has already delivered the knockout punch and he's like wobbling on his way to the canvas and he's just throwing flailing punches and if we're not aware of him, we walk straight into a right hook, but the good news of Jesus is he has no more power and right, as we said that, if you guys remember, alarms went off and some voice started saying, get out now right and and then um and that if you weren't here last week it was uh, exciting but um and i couldn't have planned the illustration myself any better but but that said as we see here like okay it's like jesus delivered the knockout punch and then goes and chills on the stool in the corner and is just watching and and he's like all right i know how this ends i've already guaranteed the victory satan's on his way to the canvas he's already seated as we hear elsewhere he's waiting for his enemy to be made his footstool (laughs) like how confident is that And hear me, yeah, that's right, we understand that. Oh, Jesus, okay, I get that, that's Jesus. Look at me now, you and I are seated with him, all right? How does that change the way you view your life? There's a a confidence that we can have if we have put our faith in Jesus, if we are found in him. We can join Paul in Romans 8 where he says, you know, like, I will fear neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor, you know, persecution or tribulation or anything. You know, he's essentially, what can happen to me? I've been found in Christ. The end has already been guaranteed. I've been raised again with Christ to new life, and I have now been seated confidently, victoriously with Christ. There's a... a passage in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 which kind of sums up this idea really well let's read that together we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that okay just picture this right we don't stay there right we don't like baptism service all right and then just kind of, all right, good, right? No, like there's a, there's a part from that. Baptize into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. God's in the business of making things new. And I just want to acknowledge right now, I think it would be unloving and unrealistic of me not to acknowledge that some of us don't feel the hope of newness in our lives. Some of us feel like we join Paul in Romans 7 where he talks about a wretched man that I am. The things I do are the things I don't want to do. The things I'm not doing are the things I wish I could do. And there's this sense of struggle, of frustration. And in the Psalms, okay, in the Old Testament in the Psalms, you see this language, it's raw, it's real. Psalm 55 is, 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 the, is the author just, just getting raw with God in this struggle and this frustration. But the good news we have here, the message that we have here is that God is making all things new, that, that he has raised us up with Christ, he has seated us with him. And I wanna encourage you, hear me now, look at me. Wherever you find yourself right now, the sun will shine again. Okay, the good news of Jesus making all things new, it doesn't mean it's on our timing. It doesn't mean it's when we want it to happen. It often doesn't mean it's how we want it to happen. 
but the guarantee we have with him, which I don't say in order to just dismiss the struggle that we find ourselves in, but is just to, to remind us, to envelop us in God's promise that he is bringing about newness of life. That whatever you're going through, if you are found in him, if you have put your faith in him, and, and perhaps for some of us, this, we're not going through something right now, and we're like, yeah, yeah, just kind of blow it off. But I think it's now in these times, as we see James actually say that, you know, the, the, the things we see in the light, let that now shape us and remind us as we walk away and are in the darkness. And so let all of us now be reminded of, of the good news that Jesus is making all things new. We see that triumphantly declared in Revelation chapter 21 where he is again seated all right hopefully that we have a new idea when we see seated it's not being lazy just sitting there it's it's triumphantly victoriously sovereignly ruling over all things and he declares not just on a macro level not just all the problems of the world but hear me your problems your struggles are disunity our disjointedness, our confusion, the brokenness that hits a little closer to home, Jesus says, I'm making all things new. Though apart from God, we are dead in sin, but God has stepped in. He's raised us up with Christ. He's seated us with Christ, and he's done it all to declare, to reveal his glorious, the riches of his grace and his kindness Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And, and, and remember, we've seen this now all throughout, all throughout our time in Ephesians and in, back in chapter 1 in verse 6, in verse 12, in verse 14. I'll just actually just kind of read through those really quickly. In verse 6, right, we said, why would this God, all these things, God's glorious grace to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He does this to the praise of his glorious grace. And then again in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 1. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, he is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, right? That's that, that's that not yet, that future we look forward to, and it comes crashing in now, the now and not yet. Well, why? Why is he doing this? Why would he make us alive? Why would he enter into our deadness and bring us alive? Why would he raise us up with Christ? Why would he seat us victoriously and confidently um, with Christ? Why would he lead us through this life uh, in light of the the future inheritance that we get to have why would he why would he do all this all to the praise of his glory he does this again verse 7 read with me now of chapter 2 Ephesians 2 verse 7 so that in the coming ages he might show you could even read their show off he might show off the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus and as I've said before, a lot of people, some even very famous people, have been known to just declare, I, I don't, I, a God who's jealous for his own glory, I don't want to follow a God like that. And I just say, okay, then we misunderstand God if that's our response. The most God-like thing to do would be for him to be jealous for his own glory. 
Okay, the, the most loving thing God could do for you and me is to open our eyes, to take it from self and to direct our gaze to him. And, and we see he's doing that with all of creation. Okay, because God is good. God is glorious. In the very beginning when God declared, let there be light, when God creatively, artistically made all things, when God did everything in his God-like manner and, and ushered in all of creation, and then he created us. He, he, he stepped in, he formed us in his image, okay, to, to reflect who he is, to, to have our, to, for us to be most satisfied, to have our joy and our purpose and our identity. Hear me on this. We're designed for this, okay? We're, we're designed, it's, it, it, we are not living according to our purpose when we are living for ourselves and, and when we fail to recognize God's glory and his goodness, but sin, right? And God created us to, and then but sin entered in, but we, turned away all we like sheep have gone astray each one to his own way right God created us in this way to 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 rightly see him in all his glory and then we turned away and all of creation was left groaning right there's uh, all things have been affected and infected by sin including our distorted view right dead in sin unable to rightly diagnose ourselves unable to rightly see what is good and glorious and praiseworthy, but God, but God steps in, but God brings life, but God, but God has, uh, is full of loving kindness and rich in mercy, and he raises us up with Christ, and he seats us with Christ, and he rightly establishes our understanding of what is good and glorious and true and right and beautiful. Okay, so hear, hear me now as we close, as we transition Understand this, apart from God, you and I are dead. But God loves you so radically, so fiercely that he sent his only son to die and then he rose him from the dead so that you and I can be found in Christ. So that you too can now be dead to sin, raised again to new life, seated triumphantly with Christ, no longer enslaved to sin but victorious over it. And now, with our eyes rightly opened, now rightly able to respond in worship and in praise to the glorious riches of his grace and his kindness displayed in and through you and me. God loves you, and he has a purpose for you to display his glorious character. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, let us not grow numb to this good news. Lord, let us not, not um, convince ourselves that we don't need saving. If there's anyone in here today, and I say this not arrogantly, not, not, not meanly, but Lord, lovingly, in the same way I pray for many of the members of my own family, Lord, I pray that you would break us if that's what we need in order to see our desperate need for you. And Lord, if there are others here with heads hung low, God, I pray that like a loving father, you would reach down through your spirit and Lord, put your hand under our chins and direct our gaze to you. 
Lord, that there is uh, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we have been raised again to new life, that we have been seated victoriously with Jesus, that, w- that the, the future inheritance that we get to look forward to has come crashing into the here and now. And Lord, I pray that all of that would lead us, Lord, to, to, to glorious praise of your rich kindness and your mercy shown toward us in and through Christ Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.